This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is the newest podcast to the Inside Carolina lineup. Up in the rafters were 2017 ACC Player of the Year and National Champion Justin Jackson and myself will be talking about all things Carolina basketball. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Be sure you subscribe to Inside Carolina wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss out on any of the content the team at IC puts out. The support doesn't go unnoticed on this end. Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us, so that's why I've got to mention our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. When it comes to Carolina Apparel, they have everything that you could want, the T-Shirts, the jerseys, the hats, you name it, they probably will have it. It's great people and great customer service since it's locally owned and operated by alumni. Visit them online at johnnytshirt.com. If you're listening to this on Black Friday, they still have deals. They'll probably still have deals all weekend. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers get 10% off their orders. All right, getting to it. up in the rafters i'm taylor vipolis i'm joined by my guy justin jackson recording this on friday the day after thanksgiving justin how was your thanksgiving outside of the cowboys letting you down once again <laughs> <laughs> of course you have to bring that up don't you uh it was good man just got to hang out with some family uh, eat a bunch of turkey and mashed potatoes and just kind of lay around and watch football unfortunately the cowboys lost but you can't win them all, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, no, it was really good. It was really good. I hope yours was good, bro. Can I give you a, a Thanksgiving take before we get to the basketball? <laughs> oh, you and your takes. Let me hear this legendary take. Get the lines off off Thanksgiving. <laughs> we don't we don't need to we don't need to be subjected to watching lines football. I don't care if it's the twelve thirty game and. I don't care if it's the only thing the city of Detroit really has. No offense to the city of Detroit, but it's just there's just only so much Detroit Lions football you could watch in prime time or not prime time, I guess, since it's 1230. But yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I, it's It's been a tough, tough go at it for the Lions, man. <laughs> like it's it's been tough. You know, when Matthew Stafford was there, like – I still enjoyed watching them play, even though they still weren't really winning a ton of games. But now it's like it's it's hard to watch, bro. Like that that first game between them and the Bears was kind of like I felt I like I was being punished. Game. I felt like I was being punished <laughs> watching it. And I saw a stat like this is the third time they've entered a Thanksgiving game winless in the past like twenty years, and they've lost every game. So it's uh just. Let's get like the Chiefs in there, you know, maybe Justin Herbert and the Chargers, somebody a little more excitable uh, because I agree. Jared Goff and 
Dan Campbell and the Lions just just don't move the needle anymore. But Justin Carolina, they played in the the Cheez It Hall of Fame tip off. They lost by nine against Purdue. I thought they really battled against a team that looked like a legit Final Four team in the Boilermakers. And then the following day, they came out flat. They lost to Tennessee by 17. It was four ranked teams in the tournament. So somebody had to go 0-2. Unfortunately for Carolina, it was them. What were your takeaways from those games? Um, to be honest, man, as I was watching uh, the Purdue game, I loved um, watching that. Like, they really competed. Like you said, I mean, Purdue is a good team. They've got a bunch of different pieces, a bunch of different um, players on that team that I think will be able to allow them to make a long run in the tournament. Um, but North Carolina hung with them all the way through the game. And, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, that was kind of demoralizing for them going into the Tennessee game or what, but the Tennessee game, I think at, at one point in the second half, I think they said that Tennessee was shooting like 70% from the field. Um, I think at that same point, they had like 40 of their like 60 points in the paint. Um, and I think there, there just wasn't enough, like, um, what is what, what's the word you want to use heart or they just didn't compete enough in that game. Um, and Tennessee showed that they were a really good team and they were ready to play. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's tough with those, like those early season tournaments because you're playing against really good competition that you've never seen before. Um, and, you know, I think that's where guys really are able to learn like, okay, this college basketball thing isn't just, you know, run up and down the floor and putting the hoop, the ball in the basket. It's, it's really um, paying attention to the scout report, paying attention to and executing the plays that you have. Um, so, you know, I think it was good for them. I think they'll learn from it, hopefully. Um, but I think that was definitely a good early test for them. Yeah, in the Purdue game, Carolina didn't have Leaky Black, who plays a, a huge role on the defensive side of the ball. He mm -hmm. comes back in the Tennessee game, probably not 100% dealing with whatever illness he's dealing with, like you mentioned, can be demoralizing getting up for a game like Purdue, falling short and having to play, having to play again in less than 24 hours. And I thought the team had a chance to move on from the weekend with its game against UNC Asheville on Tuesday. And something still seemed off as the Bulldogs were just missing a, a ton of wide open shots. And in the post game press conferences, you saw the tone of the team was still a team that knew they have a lot to figure out before they get into conference play and some tougher games, uh, even before conference play, where do you think this team still has the most room for improvement? Man, I think I was, I watched a little bit of Brady's uh, post game interview. Um, and I think of, uh, what he said was exactly what they have to figure out. And that's being a team. Um, you know, like you said, UNC Asheville, it was funny. I was watching coach Davis's press conference and, you know, I love coach Davis. He's like always Mr. Positive, like always, I love that about him. Um, but he was like, you know, I'm a pay attention to the positive and that, you know, we held them to 26%. And, they did hold them to 26%, but as I was watching the game, like you said, I mean, Asheville had so many just wide open looks that they just were missing, you know, and maybe that's a testament to them being tired because of, you know, the rest of the defense that was being played or whatever. But 
I think offensively, the thing that, that I saw was like they, they, the team doesn't play as a team. You know, it's very, um, you know, okay, this guy gets the ball. All right, let me try to go do something. Okay, this guy gets the ball. Let me try to shoot it. If not, then I'll pass the ball, you know, and it's still early. So I think that's, that's, that's still a good thing. Um, but I think as I was watching it, like Brady hit it right on the head, like they've got to figure out a way to be a team, you know, team success. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Team success always brings individual success. Always. The longer you play in the tournament, the longer you play through March, um, the more individual success that you'll have. And I think, um, that's kind of what they have to buy into if they're going to make, you know, a run that I think they really can't make. I'm glad you mentioned the, the Brady Manic press conference where he was visibly frustrated after Tuesday's game. He said, you know, we have to play better. We have to play as a team. We have to enjoy other players' success. Are you more concerned when you hear something like that from a locker room or are you more relieved when you hear that there is accountability for this team to kind of recognize that it does have problems and it does have faults that need to be addressed? I think it just, for, for me, when I look at it as a player, it depends on if he's already brought that to the team's chest. Um, you know, if he hasn't said anything to the team or, you know, tried to help the team in that way, and then you go to a press conference and basically put that out there, then I think that can cause more issues than help. Um, but if it's already something that's been brought up and the players have talked about it, the coaches have talked about it, um, then I think it's great, you know, because once again, Coach Davis said it himself, like it shows that he cares. You know, and Brady's somebody who's – he played for Oklahoma and, and played in some big games, and he knows what it takes to either not make it or to win those big games. So – you know, I think it shows that he cares. I think as him being, you know, the most experienced player, I think he needs to take it to the team. And I think they need to talk it over because at the end of the day, the players are the ones that are out there on the court. You know, coaches can talk to you all you want. They can do certain things in practice, whatever. But the players that are on the court have to be the one that come together and are like, OK, you know what, let's do this. You know, like let's let's play as a team. Let's play hard every single night. Um, so hopefully that's kind of what they're doing in the locker room. This Carolina team currently has five players averaging uh, double digits in points per game. Uh, Kerwin Walton is the sixth player right outside that 10-point-per-game mark. When you were playing at Carolina, you guys also had guys who could go for 20 any given night. Uh, you, uh, Joel Berry, Marcus, Kennedy, Bryce, Isaiah, all players who could go out and get their own. But you guys, the difference is it doesn't look like you guys were – going out there looking to go get your own you guys were more playing within the team from the outside looking in this team has struggled with that so how do you get players to buy into the team aspect how did you guys kind of do it in 2016 or 2017 when when you know you could go for 21 night Joel could go for 21 night and it kind of looked like you guys didn't have the pressure that this team had yeah I mean it's tough because um I think what helped our teams um, was we just love, like we just enjoyed each other, you know, like it sounds, sounds kind of weird, but like off the court, we were always hanging out, you know, on the court, like we loved playing with each other and don't get me wrong. There was times when, 
you know, maybe I would shoot a shot that wasn't a good shot or somebody else would shoot a shot that wasn't a good shot or, you know, things weren't always smooth. But I think we always had in our mind that we wanted to make this run again to win a national championship. And so when you have that kind of mindset, all of the, okay, I got to shoot 15 times a game or I got to get my 20 points, it kind of goes out the window and it just kind of happens as the season goes on. Um, And so I think it's just a matter of perspective and that's kind of the hardest thing with it all is, you know, unless each player takes that perspective, then it's going to be hard to get the whole team, um, you know, under that kind of mindset. But like I said, I mean, Brady's been in college basketball for a long time. Mondo's had some, you know, a decent career. Caleb's been there. Everybody's, played in some games and they understand what it is to lose, unfortunately. So, you know, if they can kind of switch that mindset and realize that they have a talented enough team to possibly make a long run and and run at this, you know, the whole thing, then I think that they can possibly change some things up before ACC play starts. The other area where your teams were, your teams really excelled in was on the defensive side of the ball. Ken Palm has this team's defensive ranking at 121st. In 2016, you guys were 21st. And in 2017, you guys were even better at 11th. So you've played on great defensive teams. What would you say the best defensive teams normally have in common that you've played on? It's just you're you're doing everything in sync. You know, like, you know, I go back to the Tennessee game. They had... Tennessee there for a while was just shooting layups every possession down the floor. And, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm sure there was a game or I'm sure there was some games that it happened, but I can't really remember me when I was at UNC, us just giving up that many wide open layups, you know, like that, that just didn't, it didn't really happen, but it was because of everybody kind of being on one accord, you know, and that just kind of goes back to playing as a team. Like if you're so locked into, okay, I got to score my 20 points or I got to get going. Then on the defensive end too, you're not worried about, okay, if my man gets, if my teammate gets beat, I'm going to be over there and help side. You're just going to be focused on, okay, my man's not going to score. And I think that's kind of the difference is they're just not really moving and shifting kind of in, you know, a team oriented type defense. So, I think hopefully they can go to practice and, you know, for all the basketball, you know, geeks out there go and work on shell drill and all that kind of stuff. As much as I hated it as a player, um, I think that's just kind of going back to the basics and making sure everybody knows like, okay, I got to have, you know, I got to have my teammates back. I got to have his back when he gets beat because I know he's going to have my back. So, you know, they still have a little bit of time. And I think that's I think that's the good part about early season games. Yeah. Going going to that point about the early season games, when you were at Carolina, you lost early season games. Just looking at your junior year when you guys won the national championship, you lost at Indiana, you lost to Kentucky and Vegas, and then you lost mm-hmm. pretty badly at Georgia Tech to start ACC play all before the new year. The losing is frustrating. However, how do you keep perspective that the end goal is to be playing your best basketball come, come late February, March? Yeah, I think what helped us was that we made that run the year before, you know, so we kind of knew 
what it took to make that run. Um, but it's funny you it's funny you talk about that. We really didn't start our season off well at all. Um, you know, you think about Indiana. Indiana was a good team. Uh, that was a crazy hostile environment. Um, Kentucky was, you know, a neutral site. They were super talented. Um, and obviously Malik Monk had freaking one of the best games I've ever seen. Um, and then you go into Georgia Tech, and I'll always remember that Georgia Tech game because my in-laws um, and, like, my my family on that side was in town to watch. And it was one of the worst games I think we've ever played. Um, but what's what's so crazy about it is even after that game, we were all disappointed um, and we were upset. But after a little bit, the next practice, we got after it. You know, like we were like, okay, let's let's get everything back right, you know. And whether that's through conditioning, running lines or whatever, like guys were able to kind of lock it back in, you know. And I think that's kind of what they have to do um, is kind of refocus. You know, it was like we talked about, it was a tough, tough loss to Purdue. Um but they have to kind of refocus and get their mind right because, I mean, they're about to play another opponent in Michigan who's, you know, pretty good. So um, I think that's all it is, is kind of changing their perspective and locking back in. Up next for UNC is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You were you had a losing record in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You were one and two. You <laughs> lost against Iowa. You beat Maryland and then you mentioned the game where you lost at Indiana. What were some of the most memorable moments you had from those games, either good or bad? Um, I got a few, man. Uh, Maryland, I always give Marcus a hard time. He was hurt, and that was his first game back, and he came back and stole my thunder. <laughs> um, no, uh, Maryland was, was a crazy game in the Dean Dome. Indiana was probably the loudest – the loudest venue I've ever played in um, even more than Duke like Indiana was, was absolutely unreal. Like I couldn't hear myself thinking Indiana. Um, and then what was the other? Oh, Iowa. Iowa. I yeah. def, I definitely remember Iowa. Cause I think we had like a green out or something like that. We had yeah, like, everybody right. got, yeah, everybody had green t-shirts. Um, and I never, Never again saw green turk t-shirts in the Dean Dome. So, um, yeah, that was those those were some wild games. But I think that I, I love I love like these challenges where teams who never will see each other outside of the tournament get to play each other. I think that that's that's some of the coolest um, and most competitive games because it's like you know ACC. You people are able to scout you most of the time. They know your plays already. You you play them a couple times. And, you go into the game knowing exactly what they're going to run. But in these games, like you're able to just go out there and just play freely um, and play against a good competition. So I'm excited for this game coming up. Yeah. I've been watching the, the battle for Atlantis. And then I think the Maui invitation on a lot of these games feel like, like early uh, NCAA tournament games or like almost like final four, not final four, but uh elite eight or sweet 16 type mm -hmm. games with, with the intensity and, uh, the level of competition that that uh, that's on the court. But Carolina, they take on Michigan. Michigan has struggled out of the gates a bit as well, losing to Seton Hall in Arizona early. What do you think a win would do for Carolina's confidence if they can beat 
a top 25 team and one that just went to the elite eight last year? I think it's huge. Um, you know, it's something that you can build on. It's something that, you know, you can take and take all the good, obviously still learn from the bad. I think you can take, you know, when you beat a team with the name of Michigan, it doesn't even necessarily matter if they're top 10 or whatever. But when you beat a, a team like that, for one, it goes down on your resume as a good win. But for two, like you're able to look at it and be like, okay, we can beat good teams like this, you know? And I think Carolina has shown glimpses that they can be a really, really good team on both ends of the floor. And I think once they are able to put that together, hopefully it's here against Michigan, but once they're able to put that together, I think, you know, they can just kind of keep the ball rolling and keep it going. It's a 9.15 PM tip off from Chapel Hill. Does the time of the game affect players any in any way, or do you approach them all the same? I'm not going to lie. Those, those late games like that, it's tough. It is tough because um, especially if you have class, if you have um, all kinds of things, it feels like you're just waiting around all day long for the game to happen. Um, now I also hate noon games. So, so I am, I am a proponent for the seven, seven thirty game. That's just what I, that's what I prefer. Um, but the nine fifteen, obviously if you're playing prime time, then I guess that's what time you got to play. So hopefully they're able to stay locked in that long and be ready to go. Yeah. My complaint more from my end is nine fifteen. Like if I'm watching this whole game, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep until probably around midnight, but you know, I, that's just a 27 year old in me. <laughs> the college student, the college student's not thinking about that, but that's it for this week. Carolina back in action. As we mentioned next Wednesday against Michigan from the Dean dome. Me and Justin will be back next week to break it all down. Until then, always appreciate the time, Justin. I appreciate you, bro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.